Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. So glad you stopped by. We hope that as you listen to today's sermon, the Holy Spirit through his word will refill you, recharge you, and equip you for the rest of your journey with him. Listen to today's sermon. Amen. Praise God. And welcome to December. Uh, 2019 is, is pretty much done, huh? Today is the 1st of December. Who would have thought? But we are here by his awesome grace. Amen. Amen. And as we enter December, we pretty much are in the Christmas season. So we'll be treating a, a series called The Gift That Christ Is. The Gift That Christ Is. And um, so... In the subsequent weeks, we'll be delving into this deeper. We think this is what Christmas should be about and that it should become very meaningful to us. Today, under this bigger theme of the gift that Christ is, I want to share a very short word with you on unassuming packages. Unassuming packages. Have you ever received a package that was unassuming? A gift that you didn't like the wrapping of. You didn't like how it was presented. How did you treat it? Well, let's get into scripture. So in, in the book of Samuel, First Samuel uh, 16, there's an account. So basically, God had Israel had come to God and said they wanted a king. They had gone to the prophet Samuel, pretty much. God spoke and said, we want a king like the other nations. So God found the tallest, best-looking, you know, Mr. Israel and made him king. His name was Saul. But Saul disappointed God. So in God's heartbreak, he decided to find them a new king. Amen. So by the time we get to 1 Samuel 16, the prophet Samuel is sent to the house of a man called Jesse to choose one of his sons to be king. Unfortunately, for Jesse, the son God had chosen to be king was so unassuming. As a package, he was so unpresentable that his own father forgot that he existed. <laughs> That's how unassuming this packaging, his packaging was. And in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, verse 7, you see, if the Bible is full of wisdom. In, in advertising, there is what we call insight, market insight. Basically, there is information you can get about your target market. That makes it very, very critical and very, very easy to design communication specifically targeted at them. So we are no longer in the world where we broadcast. You know, the word, the word broadcasting is actually from farming. Think about it. You pick some seeds of rice and you scatter them. You broadcast it. Today, we narrowcast. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, very specific targeting. So the Cambridge Analytica scandal that happened, all of that is just narrowcasting. Trying to understand specific people, how they think, how they behave, and then you design your communication specifically targeting them. But that's not what we are here to talk about today. We want to talk about, I'm, I'm just drawing your attention to that, this insight God gives the prophet Samuel about humankind. So in verse 7, he tells the prophet Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, 
but I look at the heart. It's insight. It's not a criticism of, of, of human beings. It is just, God is saying this is human nature. Human, be, human beings can't get past the packaging. They struggle to see the beauty inside when the packaging is shabby. So for those of you in business, if, if, you are, if, if you are finding it difficult to move produce, reconsider your packaging. <laughs> Free insight from scripture. You know, when the, I mean, when you go to the shop, the first thing that attracts you is the packaging. If you like the content, you go back later. But packaging is critical. So King David was an unassuming package. <laughs> but he's not the one we are here talking about today. We are here talking about his descendant, Jesus. Amen. And Jesus Christ himself was also another unassuming package. In fact, the reason why some of us didn't get to marry the love of our lives, not me, some of us. Let me seek my safety first. Eh? <laughs> you know, it's because when that person came along, we didn't like the packaging. And by the time we discovered how great the content was, it was too late. They had moved on. And we probably still haven't gotten over them. In Isaiah chapter 53, we read about Jesus. This is a prophetic word God gave the prophet Isaiah about our Lord and Savior Jesus. And it says, I'm reading from verse 2. It says, My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. Think about it, root. The root is already in dry ground. You don't see it, invisible. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. This is Jesus. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. In fact, he says, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the sharers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. He was 33 and single. This is what it means, that he would die. He didn't get to biologically produce. He says, no one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. Amen. Very sad account, isn't it? Very sad story. And I think the question after hearing such a, such a story, reading such a prophecy is why? 
No, why? Why would why would Jesus have to go through that? Why would he have to be born in an you know come as an unpresentable, unassuming package? Why? I mean there are some answers given in the prophecy I just read themselves, but why? At some point he tells you that he was broken, so you will be whole. Amen. He was beaten, so you will be healed. Amen. He wore shame, so we will be dignified. He carried our infirmities in his body on the cross, so that we who are no people will will become legitimate children of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 10. I mean, um, this morning I want to make a strong case for you to re-look at Jesus. It's very important that this faith becomes meaningful to you. Becomes meaningful to me. It is very, very easy to stay in church, speak Christianese, speak in tongues, read the Bible, and not fully enjoy the package that Christ is. You know, you know, you know how you can live in Accra, live in Osu, live in Labadi, and then it's when you're in London that you miss Kenke. You know, when you were where Kenke is in its finest form, you could go for a whole year and not eat it. And then you are sitting in somewhere in winter where it snows and you have an appetite for Kenke. Sometimes it is like that for us church, church people. We can sit so close to this packaging and never properly enjoy it. And this morning I want us to look at it again. Look at who Jesus is. Why he had to go through all that humiliation and all that pain and all that suffering. If it was just so, we would say praise the Lord, hallelujah, and smile. It it isn't worth the price. But it was for so much more. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 10, he says, But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us. You know, this is what he's saying. He said, God did all of this so that he can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. (laughs) I'll read that part again. It says, all this he did is so that he can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. The question is, all he says all he has done. What has he done? What is the all that he has done for us? He continues and says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Amen. There are things God planned specifically for your life before the foundations of the earth were laid. And he says through Christ Jesus, through this package of redemption and salvation, you can actually find your purpose for living. It's a huge package. Amen. Have you ever seen a Russian doll? Only one person nodded. 
So a Russian oh, fantastic. You know, so when you get a Russian doll, it is not one doll, typically. You see one doll, you receive one doll. But the trick with a Russian doll is that when you open the first doll, you see another doll. You open the second doll, you see another doll. You open the third doll, you see another doll. The package of Christ is like that. The box it comes in is not attractive. To date, some of us are ashamed to call ourselves Christians. We look at the, the burden of shame we have inherited through church history. You know, the abuses others have committed in the name of Christ. The abuses Christians today commit in their homes. And then after they beat their wives, they'll say, the Bible says submit. And the children grow, grow up hearing their father read the Bible and saying, the Bible says. And they see this man abuse his authority and his position. Harass the children. And say, hey, if you disobey me, you will die early. Eh? The Bible says, you know, and then they'll quote Ephesians 6. No, the scriptures children learn. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. For this is the first commandment with a promise, so you will live long. Abuse. And because of all these things, the package of Christ is not attractive. But this morning, I'm making a strong case for two things. Just two things you get. I mean, it's, it's a lot, but we'll focus, we've opened this doll of Christ, and we are looking at two dolls. The first doll is that John 10.10, 10, it says, The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have rich and satisfying life. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, the Bible says, The blessings of the Lord make rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. The first time, I mean, I grew up poor, so the first time I read that, all I could see was money. The blessings of the Lord make rich. You know, so you are broke, and then you be confessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm rich. It's, it's not rich in anything of money. <laughs> I claim it. Lose. And then with the whole prosperity gospel movement, you learn other scriptures that have been contorted and twisted to suit the get, get rich scheme agenda. Like The wealth of the Gentiles have been converted to the righteous. We claim it. But this is way more than money. Amen. It says, the blessings of the Lord make rich. Have you seen a person who is living a rich life? A rich life isn't a life where everything is okay. It is a life where even when the elements of nature, you know, the wind, the storms, the billows, when they rage, they all conspire and come against you. Because you know who you are anchored in, you still have this peace. They can't steal. You know, they can't steal your peace. They can't kill your joy. Oh, weeping may endure for a night. We've wept many nights. But there's always joy in our morning. Amen. And we are not delusional. We truly know whom we have believed. And we know that he is able. Amen. You watch people scheme and you know, do all these funny deals. And they seem to be progressing. And you're like, I don't envy them. I know whom I have believed. And they go, 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 and you're always a step ahead of them. They are better educated. They are better connected. They are better what, better what, better what. But if you meet somebody 
who is properly planted in Christ, you're always one step. I mean, yes, they, they may have everything, but they come to your home and realize, oh, maybe the house is not the fanciest, but the peace is real. <laughs> Amen. The tranquility, the, the soundness, the harmony. You know, there's this balance to your being, to your well-being, you know, this holistic living that they can't buy. Money can't buy. And we are not delusional. It is called the blessings of the Lord. Amen. There are people who can't sleep. You know, they'll turn on all the security systems and they still can't sleep because if I'm robbers come, other people sleep and even forget to lock their doors. And it's not necessarily that the person who forgot to lock their door has less. Eh? But when you know that Christ is the source of everything, you're not that afraid of losing anything. You understand? When, when the resources you have don't define you, you're not that afraid of losing them. But when that title is the best thing that ever happened to you, the day you lose the title, <laughs> you are gone. Years ago, I worked in radio and my phone was always, the battery was always dying because there was always somebody on my line. In fact, I thought the battery on my phone was bad. And then I quit my job. So people called, oh, I no longer, um, after about a month, my phone could last for like a week and I didn't have to recharge. So imagine if that job defined me. If, <laughs> if <laughs> oh, they all deserted me. My girlfriend didn't. That's why I married her. But there's this blessing. And the, the good news is that if you're here and you've given your life to Jesus, you already have this. In John 14, he promised, he said, this gift I leave with you. It is not a gift the world can give you, but I give you peace of mind and peace of heart. That one, you won't find it. I mean, some of you travel the world. Have you entered a shop, any shop, and seen a section where they sell peace of mind and peace of heart? They'll sell you an iPhone, a Xiaomi phone, a Hyundai or Hyundai, whatever you call it, a Kia, a Mercedes. They'll sell you anything. They can't sell you peace of mind. They can't sell you peace of heart. That's even deeper. In fact, you don't even hear people talk about peace of heart. Eh? Peace of mind, they'll tell you if you cross your legs and do some yoga, it will settle you. Peace of heart. <laughs> yoga won't give that to you. Amen. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. If you've given your life to Jesus and yet you're stranded and you don't have peace of mind and you're confused and you feel harassed, please reconnect. You know, you don't need any more prayer, any more blessing. <laughs> you have your package. Open it. Use it. The second one I want to talk about is adoption. So I have a friend who was adopted. She grew up in very traumatic, very, very traumatic circumstances. And at nine, she was adopted, taken to the U.S., went to good schools. Years later, she's in Ghana, and I was having lunch with her. I mean, the whole world has heard her story. She's been featured on 
pretty much any major network. Amazing young woman doing phenomenal things. But as I was talking to her, all she kept talking about was her past. And I noticed that the struggles of her past were blinding her from appreciating the blessing of her present. The struggles of her past were blinding her from seeing the beauty in her present, the blessing in her present. So at some point in our conversation, I started asking her a few questions. Like, do you realize? So there's a, a very famous preacher called Andrew Womack, and uh, his mother was adopted. And in her old age, he asked his mother, have you ever gone to look for your biological parents? And the mother said, why should I? Why do I need to find them? So the mother told him that when she was growing up, other kids who knew she was adopted will try teasing her. And she'd always tell them, listen, you're all your parents got. You know? Your mama got pregnant, she had a baby, and it was you. Even if she didn't like you, she had to accept you. But I was chosen. My parents could have chosen, you know, they had a privilege of actually seeing all these other kids, and they chose me. I am special. Amen. And it's true. I have three kids. I couldn't have said I wouldn't accept any of them. When my wife went to the labor ward, I, I was there too. When the baby came, that's what we got. <laughs> so, praise the Lord, we got a boy. We got a, it was immaterial. Whatever came, that's what you got. John Piper said, adoption is greater than the universe. Adoption. This is our story. Amen. So many times we worry about, you know, our past and who didn't do what. And, but you're here. Do you realize that, you know, in fact, most of us struggle with rejection. But do you realize that you cannot choose and not reject? I married Gloria. It simply means that of all the female friends I had at that time in my life, I rejected the others and chose her. So that some didn't show up at our wedding. Some never picked my call after they found out. And people are laughing because they have similar stories. You know. <laughs> but, but the point is that I'm trying to tell you that, listen, get over the rejection. And my father didn't do this for me. You, what have you done for your father? And my mother didn't do this for me. And this, 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 this. But we are here. Because the most important thing is that we've been chosen. Hallelujah. Probably if they hadn't rejected us, we wouldn't have been here. Amen. But we are here because, you know, Joseph told his brothers, you meant it for evil. When they tried killing you, they actually wanted to kill you. That's true. But in the midst of all the chaos and all that drama, God meant it for good. Amen. So you are here and you've been chosen. Ephesians 1, I, I'm rounding up quickly. I can see John is up and looking at his phone. Ephesians 1, 4 to 5 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That's how far back he chose you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. How were we going to be holy and blameless? We couldn't be. 
So Jesus had to die. This is why he came and shed his blood. So that we can walk in his righteousness. So when God sees us, he doesn't see us. He sees Christ. Amen. And the Bible says Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is our story. And because we've been adopted, everything that Christ has is ours. Everything that Christ is, is us. Amen. If you are here this morning and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, because you've been distracted by stories you grew up with, people who claim to be Christian but weren't, uh, people who probably were Christian but had no character, don't let those distract you. I want you to look at the package of Christ for who he is, who he says he is, who the scriptures say he is. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, I'll encourage you to. But if you have, and because the package is not attractive, you are not properly looking at who you are in Christ, I want you to also take a moment and look at who you are in Christ. Amen. In Ephesians 2 verse 18, he says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Amen. In other words, our salvation is the work of the Trinity. Amen. It isn't, it isn't an accident. God deliberately designed that you and I today will be saved and we can call ourselves children of the Most High. He says, we come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. This is what it's referring to. Because of what Christ has done for us. Amen. I want us to bow down our heads in prayer. If you're here and you haven't given your life to Jesus, you are missing out. I mean, I know a lot of people will talk about going to hell, but even before that, even before that, life is much, much richer in Jesus. It is not an illusion. It is not a dream. We are not crazy. The gospel is foolishness to the world, but to us who believe, it is the power of God unto salvation. If you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus, I'd want you to say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. I come as a sinner who cannot save himself or herself. I ask you to forgive me and I ask you that you accept me and cleanse me through your blood. Make me your child. And I'll make you my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if you're here and you feel that you need to rededicate your life, I want to pray with you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. We all need to constantly go back to the package of who Christ is. And get to appreciate everything we have in you. Father, anybody here who is disconnected, who has been led astray, who is confused. Father, I pray that you touch them. Holy Spirit, may you minister unto your children and may you have your way with us. May we get deeper in you. May we know you more and more. May we be assured of who we are in you. We thank you for your finished work on Calvary. We give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
We hope this sermon blessed you. If it did, will you consider sharing it with a friend? And if you're in Accra looking for a spirit-filled community to worship with, why don't you join us at Mikado Plaza, the Bonnie Junction, Accra, on Sundays from 9 to 10.30 a.m. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Accra Church and visit our website, accrachurch.org, for more sermons. God bless you.